Hey everybody, welcome back to the Elevated Project Podcast. I'm Mike Castelli. This is episode number 51. We have been missing in action all summer. We are very aware of that. But we're back. And we're back with an excellent episode. We're going to talk about alcohol. We're going to talk about sleep deprivation and get into some menstrual irregularity issues. I hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening. I think if I recall correctly, you said you had been drinking maybe a little more this summer than normal. Um, Jamie and I normally don't. And then all of a sudden summer hit and I had August off and we had planned. We went to Salmon Arm. We went to Vernon. We went to Naramata and fucking drank all the wine in Naramata. And then I was like, wow. At first I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. This is what it's like to actually live. And then I'm like, oh, wow. This is what it's like to totally feel like shit too. Right, I know. Everybody, welcome back to the Elevated Project podcast. I am Mike Castelli, and with me I have Christine and Dolly. How are you doing, Christine? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a long time <laughs> since we've recorded a podcast. I know, people have been asking. Yeah, we kind of fell off the wagon. You know, it's funny. I always feel like this is a hundred percent my fault because of my stupid, um, chaotic shift work schedule. It's like we can't schedule every second Wednesday or something like that, but it's, um, yeah, but I think we've all been, I mean, I've been busy, you know, yeah. with my clients and my mm-hmm. house. And so just like, and just like anything and everyone, we fall off with things sometimes. Yes. Which we're probably going to talk on. about a bit today. I think, yeah. <laughs> we were like, what are we going to talk about? It's like, okay, what have we been doing? Well, we've been doing all the wrong things this summer, maybe not all the wrong <laughs> things, but, but yeah, we've all kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit. Um, yeah, you've been working, you're moving into a house with your boyfriend. Um, your guys are ripping the guts out and redoing it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah that's completely, a little... completely gutted the whole thing. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see the end result with that. And then, and then you're getting a dog too. Yeah. Oh my God, you're like prepping yourself for little kids, aren't you? That's what you're doing. That's what <laughs> oh, you're doing. Oh, no. Yeah, she says so that. No, so Eric has three kids. We're good. Oh, yeah. I always forget about yeah. that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You already got that done and done. So get the dog then. Yeah. It'll be easy. Um, yeah. I had the whole month of August off. I was very fortunate to have my holidays line up with the fire department. So Jamie and I took a really needed vacation, just the two of us. Um, and we didn't drink a lot and we drank maybe a little more alcohol than we normally drink. We normally don't drink any we came back from our vacation with more wine than we know what to do with. Um, so it's been interesting to see how that's affected sleep. It's affected training. It's affected nutrition. So she's not in prep right now. Uh, she goes into prep in November. Um, so right now she's sort of taking advantage of this. Um, I'm kind of like always on the straight and narrow for the most part. So when I get derailed, it's like, I always feel like it's like a train wreck happening. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, what do you want to hit on first? Do you want to talk about sleep or do you want to talk about alcohol? Or what do you want to talk about? <laughs> let's talk about both. Um, let's talk about alcohol first. Okay, cool. 
because that kind of segues into sleep. <laughs> it totally does. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I'm going to ask you, because we talked about this in text a little bit, and you're just like, and I know you don't drink very much at all. And you're like, I said, yeah, Jamie and I have been drinking. And you're like, yeah, I've been drinking more than usual. And I was like, oh, that's always interesting when you tell yeah. me something like that. So like, tell me what's been going on. I mean, I don't know. You know, again, it's it's summer. That kind of plays into it. Um, I, I, I never, like, I rarely, rarely drink. Um, so for drink, like drinking for me, like drinking more than usual is having like maybe a couple on the weekend, right? right? Yeah, it's not, exactly. it's nothing like crazy. Sometimes I'll have more. Um, but I love, like, I'm in this like season of life where, you know, I, I love going out with Eric and mm-hmm. having drinks and we get into like really good conversation and like, mm-hmm. I just love that so much. And then, you know, when we're at the house and we're working and we have a drink, I don't know, like, it's, it's just this, it's, it, it's people, people may disagree, but it does, it connects us a little bit more and like we have fun and, mm-hmm. and I just love that. And so it's not like I'm going crazy. Definitely. It definitely still affects me. No mm-hmm. doubt. Um, but this is something that I talk to my clients about too. I'm like, you know, like you're making like memories, right? Like totally. you don't need booze for that, but nope. I mean, it's, it's nope. just fun sometimes. There's something, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but what you said actually resonated. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's something about Uh-oh. that. For, what? You, you cut out for a sec. Okay. Am I still here? Oh, my internet connection is unstable. Don't fuck with me now, internet. <laughs> Come on. It's like a clear sunny day. There's no reason why I shouldn't have internet. Am I back? Am I here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's something about that first drink. Mm-hmm. Let's just say you're sitting on a patio. And of course, it's the ambience. It's, it's the, the patio <laughs> thing gets me. I love it. It does. It does. And we have, because of COVID, if there, if there has been any positives with COVID, it's like within, at least within the city of Lethbridge, lots of the bars and restaurants have created really big patios. Mm-hmm. And of course this summer, literally the hottest summer in my entire existence on this planet from like June until almost now it's been like 30 plus degrees. So it's been like patio weather. So, mm-hmm. um, but there's something about that first drink. It's like almost like the first couple sips of the beer or whatever you're drinking. And it's like, we know that alcohol has like some CNS effects some depressant effects, some, you know, uh, release of or, or reduction of inhibitions. And it's like, mm-hmm. there's a connection. And yeah, when I'm with Jamie, I can remember very specific times when we've had a drink and we've been in a certain location and it's all of a sudden it's like, you feel super connected to that person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably the downside to alcohol. Cause it's like, well, if that first beer tastes like that, you're going to have 10. <laughs> I know. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we've we've been doing more of that too. Um, a little more liberal with that. Now, the positives in that are like, hey, life enjoyment, stress reduction. Mm-hmm. What about the negatives? Like, you know, let's say we're sticking within that one to two drinks, and who knows? We can talk about frequency per week, but let's say let's talk about the one time. Like, what do you notice the next day if you've had two? Um, well, it, it directly impacts my sleep. Um, and so it's like the, the cup, two couple together, you know, just crap sleep and then the alcohol, um, you know, I'm foggy brain the next day. Motivation Mm -hmm. is low. You know, I don't move as much. 
Um, me personally, it, it kind of depends, but sometimes my appetite is increased. Sometimes it's decreased. Like it, yes. it just, it just kind of depends. I don't know you, I would say usually it's decreased. Um, but I essentially just, you know, I just feel like crap. Yeah, <laughs> even, totally. after, even after two drinks, usually. Now here's a question. If you're on vacation, is your tolerance for alcohol higher? Um, it, uh, that's hard for me to say, uh, last time, no, like, mm. I feel like now, no, but when I was younger, yeah. Like, I feel like when I would go to like Vegas and, yep. you know, drink, I could drink for like four days and tolerate it better than I did at home because you're on this like high, right. Yeah. Your, yeah. your adrenaline's pumping, but I don't really notice that too much now. Yeah, and I do. And I think it's just, I think this is what I think Rob Wolf has talked about this too. He's talked about sun, you know, stress reduction or less stressors around you. And I don't disagree with it. I think when you're on vacation, you're obviously a lot less stressed. I think your tolerance for other stressors is higher. Um, case in point, it's like, I'll have a couple drinks and yeah, it's hit or miss whether I feel good or bad the next day. And sometimes it's like, if I drink, and this is totally like a very basic white boy thing. If I'm like picking an IPA to drink, sometimes it'll wreck me. It'll wreck my guts or whatnot. And sometimes yeah. it won't. I don't, who knows what's in it? The hops. I don't know. Um, wine for the longest time, Jamie and I stayed completely away from wine because it would totally trash us. And then recently without going into the story, why all of a sudden we've kind of gotten back into it. I mean, it's, I'm realizing I'm like, God, we're like crushing a bottle of wine a night here. Like what the hell's going on? But yeah. then when we were on vacation, it was like, wow, we had a lot to drink and we both feel really fine the next day. But it's like sleeping 10 hours, no kids right. around, no work, right. no stress, yeah. right? So right. I think yeah. your ability to handle it is higher. That doesn't mean that that's like a green light to go when you're on vacation. Oh, I'm, I can handle more, so I'm going to. Mm -hmm. um, it's just one of those things, right? So Yeah, your, your current state of your body, you know, inflammation, all of that yeah. is going to really play into you know, how much it does affect you. Like someone who is going through a ton of hormonal problems. I mean, it's going to affect that person a lot more. Right. Yes. So yeah, it just kind of depends on the state that your body is into. Um, but I like Eric never gets hungover. He's really? never, he never. We've had nights where we've like went hard and we've drank and I'm laid out. Okay. Like I'm done. Um, yeah. and he can just go, he can go work. Like he's fine. I'm like, what the frig? What are you dating Superman there? Uh, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. I can do everything. <laughs> no, I, I'm almost grateful actually that I, it does affect me to the degree it does. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny. My sister's the same way. Um, cause she's like, and we have an issue within our, our family history of like alcohol issues. Mm -hmm. um and she's like if i have one i want 10 mm -hmm. but she's like but if i have one she's actually more sensitive than me she's like i feel like trash yeah right so i'm actually kind of grateful that if i have more than a couple it's like i feel like trash and of course i don't like feeling like trash nobody does right i think if i didn't get hung over i'd probably drink a lot more <laughs> yeah but the yeah. sleep the sleep thing yeah the, the two things i noticed we're talking about the negatives the two things i noticed and we really haven't gotten into body composition or macros or anything like that and i don't know if that's really relevant today but it's um sleep is number one 
and then gut issues would be number two. Yeah. Um, I think the gut issues to work backwards on this, the gut issues really depend on the type of alcohol. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, I mean, if I was drinking, if I had, I'll just make something up. If I had a mar- a single margarita or two margaritas, it's like, I'd probably be fine. If I had some other sort of like clear alcohol, I'd probably be fine. Mm-hmm. Beer tends to totally trash my guts. And whether that's maybe a wheat-based beer or a gluten-based beer, I don't know. That's probably it, but it completely can, it's hit or miss, completely blow up my guts. Um, Me too. Me too. Wine doesn't seem to, but I have more like headache effects and like mm-hmm. brain fogginess from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but without a doubt, the alcohol affects sleep for sure. Huge. Yeah. I know if I'll even have two, chances are, and I'm a very light sleeper, and we can talk about how you and I are both light sleepers. Um, if I'll wake up without a doubt, like let's say I'll have a couple, go to bed at I don't know, 10 o'clock, 1 a.m., bing, I'm like, oh, yeah. why am I awake? This is bullshit, right? And then I might have trouble falling back asleep, right? So, yeah. and, and I, like myself and like clients, um, like the lingering effects energy wise yeah. go for days and totally. people are like i don't know i'm i'm so low in energy and blah, blah blah and they and they tend to not um correlate it with their drinks on the weekend um yeah. and it very well can play into your training and stuff you know the days following so I think that's something people need to like be aware of because dehydration does come into play there too, obviously. Totally, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, me, myself, like I notice it lingers for days. Yeah. Um, and then people, they, they feel like they're like completely off track and like mm-hmm. it really affects them. And like for me, I, my anxiety could, I could let my anxiety like go free if I didn't the next day, make myself do th- certain things. Like what? So, example, I like this. I like where this is going. Yeah. So um, I like deal with anxiety. Sometimes alcohol mm. exacerbates that no matter what. Oh. Um, so if I like stay in bed all day after that, like I just feel, I just, it, it messes with my head. So there's like certain things that I do that I make myself do no matter what when Mm -hmm. I'm feeling hungover and it's get outside for a walk. Mm -hmm. That's like the one thing I need to do is like get outside, move my body, go for a walk, get in the sun, um, ensure that I have my water with me like all day drinking that with an, with electrolytes. And no matter how bad I feel, I'll try and get like some nutrient dense foods in. So it's just creating this like normalcy of like my routine that I normally have. Um, and that's, those are the things I focus on to just kind of keep my head straight. That, and you know what, all those things are totally awesome. I think a lot of people overlook the value. It's like, oh, really going out in the sun? Like, oh, come on, how valuable can that be? But it can completely change how you, before we started this podcast, what were both you and I doing? Yep. We're, we're sitting outside. in the sun. We're sitting <laughs> outside, yeah. I'm just like, I'm just trying to recharge my batteries like Superman. Yeah. It's not working, but it feels yeah. good. The sun but, um, literally recharges me. Yeah. But I think a lot of people would be like, stay in bed, watch Netflix, get some skip the dishes. And then that's going to exacerbate feeling like trash. And yeah, this then, then, the- then it goes into Monday. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. If, it's, if you're drinking on Saturday and you're hungover on Sunday and then you do that all Sunday and now, okay, now Monday is the day you start. Yeah. Monday you is know? the day. Let's say you're a Monday to Friday person and Monday starts. It's like, 
You feel yeah. like trash. You don't have your oh. food prepped. You're like dragging ass like an anchor. Your right. workouts at the beginning of the week can <laughs> suck. Like it's like his cascade. Yeah. I'm not saying alcohol is bad. I'm just saying yeah, <laughs> it can yeah. kind of throw you off. Um, totally. uh, we can touch on the macro stuff a little bit. Um, and I know we've touched on this before. We almost weren't going to talk about this today, but it's um, do you tell your clients to track their alcohol? It depends. It depends on the client. Um, yeah. If someone mm-hmm. is having off, like drinking often, um, you know, like if they're having drinks every single week, I do. You do. Um, okay. Yeah. If someone is having a drink very randomly, I'm like, whatever. Like it's yeah. not a big deal. Exactly. But if it's frequently happening, then I do because we with booze comes more food and like we just need to be careful. Totally. Um yeah, you know, I look at so for, for people out there listening, how do you track your booze? Um I mean, maybe I'll give my opinion first. I'm not a big fan of tracking booze, um, alcohol. Let's call it alcohol. Be accurate here, Mike. Um, because one, it's kind of hard. Two, when you do it, you're taking away from other macros. Because we know that alcohol or ethyl alcohol is the fourth macronutrient, seven calories per gram, metabolized totally different than the other macros. But the way that you know you might read on the internet or how things are are supposed to be tracked, it's like, oh, take away from your fat, you know, take away from your your, your carbs. And then, yeah, it might balance it out from a caloric standpoint. And we know that calories are king in the end, but to me, it's still not an effective way. And it also, it can give the client a green light by thinking, oh, I'm tracking this. I'm doing my due diligence and I'm tracking. So it's okay if I take this in. When it's, right. it's really not okay because of all the other negatives we talked about, right? If somebody's going to drink, I'm like, go out, go drink, do your thing, but just realize this should be like, look at it as a very self-limited thing where it's like, this isn't something you should be doing every day. This isn't something that should be happening on a totally weekly basis. Um, If it is, you need to question why, see if it's affecting your progress towards your goals. But I'm almost like, don't take the stress of tracking and and put it in there and just like just have it and enjoy it. And then next day start fresh. That's usually what I tell my clients. I, I definitely do not track my alcohol for sure. I have in the past. And I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't working. Cause I have a couple of drinks and I'm really fucking hungry. Right. And then I just want to eat more. Yeah. So it doesn't really work. Um, yeah. so, oh, hi. Sorry. So Jamie's joining us here. Hi. <laughs> Look at those beautiful lashes. Ooh, uh, uh. First lashes in a year. First lashes in a year. There you go. She was getting, she's out getting beautified. So we are talking about alcohol and we're talking about um, sleep deprivation. So hmm. I had a pretty rough night at work. Um, Christine had a rough night. Um, you're kind of sleep deprived. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> you're not going to say why though. Um, so where do we want to go with this? I don't know. What are you th- talking, we talking about? Alcohol. About alcohol. We were talking about alcohol and we were going to segue into sleep deprivation, but we were talking about the negatives we were talking about the positives and I talked about our positive vacation. Yes. Um, but how, I guess you can jump in here. How do you feel about the alcohol we took in on our vacation? Well, I, I mean, it was more than what we normally drink, right? <laughs> yeah, Cause we sure. actually, and I mean, you think about even for me being 
because I compete in bodybuilding. So I go through phases of prep where I don't, I like, I can't drink at all. Um, and we, we normally don't drink a lot. Like no. we'll go out and we'll have like a, a flight of beer that we yeah, share. Little tiny, so you have, no one's watching video because we don't put a video, but it's like little flights of beer is what we <laughs> like get. They're like tiny, be- they're like almost like baby glasses of beer just to like try it. And then, if and we then like we might, it. and then if we like one, I don't even get a pint. I get like half a pint. And I always get a pint. And I'm always like, fuck, I shouldn't have gotten a pint. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, or we'll go out for dinner and we'll have like wine. wine. Um, yeah. But it's usually a really small amount. Yeah. It's um, not much. It's not much. And on vacation, I'd say that we <laughs> drank every day. We did. But it wasn't like it was like we wake up and like start drinking oh, and God, drink all day 21 anymore that would destroy like, me. we would we have, have a bottle of wine every day or we would have like a side a couple, so, ciders, a couple ciders or we would have a beer yeah um like we go out to day. eat and we'd have like a pint of beer so or it, something it was chronic intake it was <laughs> it sounds really bad but it's probably pretty normal for about 10 days yes. and then at the end, so Naramata was our last day. Not that yes. we wanted to tell people about our vacation, but just to explain, Naramata was our last day. And we did wine tasting. So Naramata is an air. You know where Naramata is? Mm-hmm. Penticton? Come on, you're Canadian. Canadian. So Naramata. Kelowna? Do you know where Kelowna is? What? Kelowna. Oh, yeah, I know where Kelowna is. So, so where we were is basically like Napa Valley. Yes. But in, yeah. But in BC. In BC. Right? So it's. You you can walk like four steps and there's like a vineyard. Yeah. Four steps and it's there's dangerous. a vineyard and four steps and there's a vineyard. So, um, so but we felt like trash that day. day. Well, that night, yes. And that night, actually, I didn't sleep. You didn't sleep barely at all. at all. Barely at all. And then the next day, we drove all the way back to Lethbridge. Yes. It kind of felt like shit the whole way. So there, case in point, having too much. But um, but I think that if we would have done that here at home and done that chronically every day we would have felt shittier and i think it's because of the whole exogenous stress thing of like work and regular yeah, we schedules we actually totally covered that yes. yeah so we're all on the same it page it affects us differently when we're like on vacation on vacation and i think it's like less stress we yeah it's yep. less stress like we totally. we slept more and we just didn't have a schedule that we had to follow and yeah it was just different right um, do you get your clients to track their alcohol intake yes yeah you're you're a fucking nazi is what you are yeah um <laughs> she is she's a tough coach she just started programming for me and i'm scared oh my um, god oh my god she says yeah um so you get them to track yes so do they take away from fat do they take away from carbs well, how do they track it usually from carbs okay but it's like it well it's also dependent on the client yeah if that person has like a like a day where they don't track, yeah. then I'm like, well, I guess have your booze on that day. Yeah. But if it's someone who has a very specific goal and they're still wanting to fit it into their macros, then yes, I make them track. Okay. I, I I tell them that it's a good idea to track it because like Kim. Yeah, but she, yeah. I mean, right now she doesn't. She doesn't. Yeah. Crap, so right. she doesn't. But right. someone like Bran, okay, who doesn't drink, she but, doesn't drink. That's a bad example. Yeah. Well, <laughs> someone like her though, who is she? I mean, basically, she's she's working on aesthetics. Yeah. But she still is in. She has a lot of food, and she yeah. has a day where she has a free meal. Right. Okay. Cool. So if she wants, to, if she wanted to put booze in there, then she could. 
it's just having that discussion with them to let them know that if you chew, if you do track it, you're going to have less food. And you and all the things of like it, so no. it, there might be a cascade of like negative effects, so that you might have, um, you're going to be more hungry probably, and then usually when you drink, you make shitty decisions about food choices <laughs> because you want things. among other things, right? And then um, you also it can be like so. Don't be surprised if it affects your sleep, and then the sleep is going to affect your training, and then the sleep deprivation is probably going to affect like being on routine and your oh, schedule yeah. the following days. So it could be it's like yes, you're drinking today, but be prepared that it might affect you for three or four days following. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some common questions that you get from clients about alcohol? Mm just how to track it (laughs) okay what about what about the best alcohol okay if i'm gonna drink what should i drink just fireball shot fireball shot i usually recommend just like vodka water vodka like zevia or like something like that yep for sure and i actually for all of the people that i have that drink wine i get them to make wine spritzers yeah, that's actually a pretty good Because idea. I just like, I think part of the drinking thing for people is just, social. It's, it's social. And so I just tell them, you know, mostly it's like, as long as you have a drink in your hand, but you still want to have alcohol, you can take one glass of wine and make it into 10 drinks. And then you stay hydrated. Yeah. Um, I've had some clients who alcohol intake really surrounds their business, whether they're meeting with with other clients or it's just business meetings or whatever. So they're like, I have to have a drink or it feels really weird. So I, I tell my clients, okay, if you're going to have one, have one, but get like, you know, like, like a vodka soda lime or something like that. And then you can tell the waiter or waitress like, okay, the next time you bring me one, just bring me a soda and lime. <laughs> and then the people you're with don't know the difference. So there's no awkwardness of like, Hey, why aren't you drinking? And then you're cutting it down. So right. that's yeah. a common one I get. Um, sleep, 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 sleep is that thing we're always chasing. Um, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. Um, you sleep really light. It's actually, we know the reason why you're sleeping. Like, I think, so why don't you talk about that? Um, so I just recently got some labs done. Um, I'm actually going to interrupt you because you used to be known as the sleep queen. (laughs) <laughs> I you were know. and I was coaching you you would pull like record numbers of like hey, yeah I slept like, like 11 hours yeah I used to sleep a lot um mm-hmm. but my sleep has always been fairly light mm. um when I was like tracking the whoop and I know that's not like 100% accurate yeah. but um it's still like, my, data. yeah my like REM sleep and stuff my deep sleep was just brutal but I can tell I'm not you know sleeping deep um, but I just got some, I noticed in the past, like year, pretty much six months that my sleep has just been like really dicey. Like I'm waking up a lot. Right. Um, I don't necessarily have trouble getting to sleep, but I'm waking up a lot. Okay. Um, and then just very light. So I got some, um, tests done and I, I am low in progesterone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that plays, you know, directly into sleep Big time. and, and I was noticing it was, you know, worse leading up to my cycle, which is another essentially symptom of low progesterone. So yeah, um, that's, that's coming into play there. 
It is. That's for sure. the only time that, well, outside of like when I'm in prep, of course, I have issues with sleep towards the end because of cortisol. But, yeah. um, but otherwise, and it's usually at the end of prep just because my cortisol is cranked. It is very cranked. Um, but in the past, the only time that I've ever had issues with sleep was when I had low progesterone right around 40 when I just so yours, yours is age related yeah but yeah. it was my progesterone was tanked yes and now, then as soon as I got an IUD then I got my sleep back <laughs> you got a lot of things back actually yeah, yeah but that actually, but it was progesterone as much as and this is totally off topic as much as we could talk about the downsides to different forms of birth control maybe the coded IUD um that was a very positive thing for you. Yep. That's something I know we've talked about in the podcast or you and Christine talked about quite at length, um, but without a doubt, that's a very positive for you. Um, now, why do you, here's the thing. We talked, we talked about this before. It's like, okay, yeah, your progesterone's low. I looked at your labs and like, yeah, it's pretty low. Classic sleep depth, sleep issues associated with low progesterone. Easy to fix, but what do you think the cause is? Um. I have PCOS. So, you know, testosterone kind of plays into that, like elevated testosterone. Um, but I think just stress, you know, stress overall. Um, because your training is really dialed. Your nutrition. Yeah. Is yeah. Yeah. My, my training, style. like, yeah, everything's pretty dialed. So I, I'm assuming it's just like stress and then, you know, PCOS related. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, mine, I don't really know why it was low. Cause same thing I got, it's not like my nutrition was off or my training was off. Or, no. I mean, yes, I had kids and I worked full time and, you know, could have been mm -hmm. stressed that way, but right. yeah. yeah. Cause I'm eating a lot. Um, right now. Do you want to say how much you're eating? I, I couldn't tell you exactly, but probably are at like 25 to 2,800 calories. That's, like, third. that's a lot for me big chunk of change yeah no kidding yeah good well that's a good thing we know it's not the food um yeah we know that like low calorie intake high volume training that can lead to stress that can lead to sleep deprivation for yeah. sure that's low carb. that's low carb low carb for sure i mean when you that, go, see that all the time yes when you go into prep i mean your carbs disappear yeah they much, do right they're not gone they have been gone in the past yeah but and with the past prep it wasn't past, that bad yeah but the one before that, um, different any. coach, you didn't have any carbs. Yeah. So lots and lots of cortisol production there for sure. Um, so what do you but I, I struggle, like no matter what, I have always struggled sleeping with someone. Yeah. And I didn't know if you'd want to bring that up. Yeah. 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 That's... Like I, that's just like, I, because I'm a light sleeper Yes. and then having someone in the bed, I struggle, but like Eric will go stay with his kids um, a few nights a week. And when he stays with the kids, it's like, like I'm all over the bed. Like I'm like, he's a total thrasher. Whereas like I wake up and we, I think we've probably talked about this oh, on the podcast funny. a number of times. And it's like, I wake up like in the same, just like, I come home from a night shift and like sneak into the bedroom because I'm normally a stompy person, yes. but I pull out my ninja skills and I sneak into the bedroom and Jamie's like cocooned in like my side of the bed's totally flat. And then there's like, there's Jamie like lying there like a mummy. Yeah. She hasn't moved for like nine hours. Right. 
Hey everybody, thanks for listening so far. I hope you guys are enjoying this. I want to take a little break for an advertisement from one of our sponsors, Relief. A big shout out to my sponsor at Relief Natural Wellness. As most of you are aware, CBD has been trending for a hot minute. Now, we all know what happens when something is crazy popular. Everyone wants to make a quick buck, and this means a lot of cheap, ineffective, and low-quality products on the market. CBD has become super popular for good reason. It is a great all-natural option for treating a variety of conditions like pain, inflammation, sleep, stress, mood, and digestion issues. Relief Natural Wellness is a Canadian company, and they've built their brand on quality. They use only the highest quality Canadian-grown hemp for a variety of products, ranging from topical to tinctures, and complete third-party lab testing on all CBD to demonstrate potency and purity. This is so important for anyone who might be subject to drug testing for THC in occupation or in sport. Their testing provides comfort knowing you'll pass those tests, and they even sponsor athletes and retain many customers who do routinely undergo drug testing. Relief sets themselves apart from the plethora of CBD products with their evidence-based formulas. This combines specifically selected essential oils to elevate the benefits of CBD, just another reason why their products really are more effective than other CBD products you might find on the market. So don't buy your CBD at a gas station hit up www.yourrelief.com for your next online purchase. Use Jamie10 in the checkout for a discount. Um, no. But when I, when, when I'm a thrasher, so it affects your sleep, I yes. know that. And then I'm a light sleeper. So there's lots of people that will say, and this is something I read years ago, oh, you know, but I sleep better with my spouse. And I think that's maybe a little bit of like a comfort thing or denial. It's like, no, I don't want to sleep without them. If somebody's having major sleep issues, I have coached clients to be like, hey, there's nothing wrong with taking a couple nights out of the week to catch up on your sleep, sleep in a different room. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a client who was, uh, he was a Navy SEAL. He was a CrossFitter. He'd be deployed for six months, come back for six months. And he was having major sleep issues for a lot of different reasons. And he just didn't want to be away from his wife. Of course, he's, it makes total sense, but I'm like, dude, you need to catch up on your sleep or you're not, you're going to get wrecked. And so it was a tough thing for him to do, to say, Hey, this isn't going to negatively affect our relationship, but I'm going to sleep whatever in the basement for a couple of nights a week. And he's like, it made night and day difference. Huge, huge difference. Yeah. I, I do me and Eric, I will do that. I yes. go into the other room. Like, even if I'm having a really bad night, like I try to start here. And then if I'm having a really bad night, I'll move into the other room. Yeah, but you don't go down. He'll leave. But he goes to the couch, which is terrible. Well, and you like don't go to sleep, though, because the first thing you do is you go get your phone. Because I'm mad. Oh, no, you can't be doing that. It would be far, it would be far better if you did yeah. just, like, go downstairs. Without I, mean, doubt, I, like, put my sleep mask on. I'm yeah. like... <laughs> yeah it's it's without a doubt it's very psychological too because i'm like i i know how important it is especially as a shift worker especially with the training that i do that i'm like i need to recover um and then when i don't get it it's like this psychological negative spiral of like fuck i can't sleep and then i'm like fuck okay well i don't want to wake jamie up and then i'm going to leave and she didn't get mad because i left 
And I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to look at my phone, which is the worst thing you can do. Right. Yeah. And, and, like, and it's funny because I can tell when we go to bed, if he's not going to sleep, it's a stress thing. It's almost like yeah. I know instantly, as soon as we get into bed, I'm like, or actually even before that, it'll be like a couple hours before bed. And I'm like, I bet he's not going to sleep. Tonight. Yeah. I know. It's a shitty thing. Yeah. It's like, we all struggle with it. Even as coaches. And we talked about this earlier, even as coaches, we struggle with the same issues that our clients do. Right. Um, and I feel fortunate because I honestly have had very few sleep yeah. issues. I've gone through a couple, I mean, and all the things that if I ever do have issues, it's stuff that known well that, or it's under my control to fix it. Yeah. Like, it's not like it's, I mean, ever since the whole progesterone thing, I've never had issues with sleep and it's stuff that I've caused myself that I can fix. Yeah. Right. So, um, I think, and then like the other thing I know that affects us too, is like when we get too hot. Ooh, yeah. Cause so we're just both- temperature. Usually. Yeah. We're both pretty thermonuclear. Yes. So, um, I don't know who's hotter. <laughs> you or me. <laughs> ah, I see what I did there. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, we keep the window open, which is a catch 22 because it's it like, it can be noisy. It can be noisy. And then you have tweakers running past your window at 3am screaming, why are you running? <laughs> so we don't live in a bad part of town no but every but now and again every now and again we get speakers running by and <laughs> we find random shit on our lawn yes um, it's interesting in this part of town but yeah. um yeah we keep the window open for fresh air we got a fan on we keep the house really cool <laughs> and, and we have a blanket that's like super thin. thin yeah but um yeah um i was gonna say something i was gonna yeah well like we can talk about the effects of of poor sleep Yes, yeah. on training and stuff. So um, I'll pitch a question to you. I can pitch a question to Jamie and then I'll answer. So if you've had a shitty night's sleep, what do you do for training? I usually don't. Okay, cool. Jamie, yeah, if it's like really bad, like, yeah. okay, so it's funny because my my alcohol hangover feels the same as my sleep hangover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Um, if I am in that state, I usually don't train. There are odd times when it's like not as bad. And then once I train, I actually feel a little bit better. Yes. Um, but it's like very easy training. Like I will not do anything like high volume or anything like that. No, that's good. Yeah, and I think so moving my body. Yep, yeah. And I, th- yep. I think that it's just the degree of sleep deprivation to yeah. determines like, what I will do. So there's no way that you'll find me doing leg day if I'm completely wrecked from not sleeping. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's comes down to that whole, all it does is it just jacks your, your, um, your rate of perceived exertion. Right. So, so like leg day would be in like, Nope, it'll be either if it falls on leg day, then it's like, okay, today's a rest day. And then I'm just going to make sure that I sleep and eat and train the following day. Yeah. If it's like, so, so then I'll just switch it so that I do something easy. Like, no, that's not even an easy day. I think shoulders like, is an easy but day. Arms, like yeah. an arm day or, um, or it's just like, okay, today I'm just going to like do active recovery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've, I mean, I could just echo exactly what both of you said. If it's, if I've had sleep deprivation, whether it's work related or if I'm at home and I've just had a shitty sleep, what I find is really beneficial is just moving. Like, let's say 30 minutes, assault bike, easy pace, like rate of perceived exertion, like five to six, right? If we're on a scale of 10, I feel better after that. Um, 
In the past, I've completely blown myself up after having sleep deprivation. My workout has been phenomenal and I felt good after, but then you crash hard. And then chances are you dump your immune system, you might get sick, you're not going to recover. And that's just cortisol dependent. That's harnessing cortisol in a very bad way. Um, so I think just moving is a good thing. Um, yeah, RPE is huge. Like when I do the assault bike stuff, like 20 seconds on, 40 seconds off times 30 minutes, like that's like, that's ugly ass shit that I still do. Um, the only day I'll do that, and you'll see me post it occasionally, is on days that I'm like really well rested. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to hit it today because right. I feel really good. And the difference between being sleep deprived and having a full night's sleep in the past, in my 20s, I, it didn't make a difference for me. But now it's like night and day. Mm-hmm. It's like I left the gym the other day. We were yep. training legs. And I was like, fuck this. I'm out of here. Yeah. And I was like, I could not believe how heavy the weight felt. And then yesterday yeah. we did legs and I was like, oh, hell, this is totally different. Right. Um, yeah. It's night and day. But it's just. The short answer is if you're sleep deprived, don't work out. You know, you're just probably do more harm than good. Um, how do you, how does it affect your appetite? Um, I definitely feel a little bit, I guess it depends. Like, again, it's kind of like similar to the booze thing where sometimes I, it makes me more hungry. Sometimes it doesn't, but it does directly impact your hunger okay. hormones. I was just talking to this, talking about this with my clients like essentially how, how sleep deprivation plays into fat loss, how it can like hinder fat loss mm-hmm. um, and hunger hormones play into that, obviously. Yes. Yeah. And I know it's, um, the studies show that sleep deprivation will increase hunger, increase caloric intake. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's in the general population. I know from myself and everyone is unique snowflake. Like I always say, if I'm sleep deprived, my hunger completely disappears. So mm-hmm. Last night at work, 14 hour night shift, nasty ass night shift, got a couple hours sleep, um, got up, like, you know, I slept from like four till six. So I got two hours of sleep. So I'm running on two today. It's pretty bad. Um, got up at six because I got a bunch of shit I got to do at work before I leave. And I'm like, normally I have my big bowl of oatmeal and it's like a big ass bowl of oatmeal, blueberries and whey protein. And I crush it in the morning. And I'm like, I could finish half of it. And that's really all I've had. And it's like 1230 and I've had a bunch of coffees and stuff. So I'm like, it totally crashes my appetite. And that's from a fat loss point of view, is that beneficial? Well, maybe, maybe not. But what it's going to do is going to impair my ability to one, train today, which I'm not going to. Tomorrow, though, I'll be behind the eight ball because I'll be recovering from today and I'll be underfed. So tomorrow's training will have to be lighter. So it's like, it's one of those things that just spirals into the next day, the next day. Yeah. So. Do you think that that is coming from like an accumulative fatigue standpoint, like from having like multiple days, you know, over the past, however long, you know, crappy sleep, you know, being stressed, like circadian rhythm being thrown off from work. Um, or what are your thoughts there compared to someone who would get like, say, they sleep pretty good and then they have one shitty night sleep night of sleep um, and you see their in- hunger increase. Like, do you think because yeah. yours tanked, it's more so from like a chronically stressed standpoint? It could be. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, at my, I, I think for me, it's just my body just views it as stress and it tanks my hunger. So I'm not hungry either. And see, you're a better example than you. 
So in this case, it's like you will have the occasional night of bad sleep, but not chronically. No. And so when you have the occasional night, your hunger tanks. Yep. I have multiple bad nights of sleep generally every week, and it's part of shift work. Um, but without a doubt, it's like, I think it's cortisol related because my body's like, holy fuck, dude, you're not sleeping. You needed sleep. And then boom, cortisol rises. And that is going to absolutely suppress hunger, put me in a sympathetic response kind of state. It makes sense why I don't have an appetite. I'm always very curious when people don't get sleep and their appetite increases and whether that's compensatory to the stress where they're like, oh, I'm stressed and the body doesn't know what to do. Oh, maybe I need oh, just an emotional thing or yeah. an emotional thing of like, I'm really yeah. tired, poor decision-making maybe. Well, the, I mean, leptin typically decreases and ghrelin yeah. typically increases. Typically, yeah, I know. That's all all the studies say. Yeah, so I'm like, and I'm always trying to figure out how can I increase my hunger? Because I always have a really low hunger drive and to put on lean body mass is always a struggle bus for me. So I'm like, man, if I'm sleep deprived, this should be working, but it's not. <laughs> and in a lot of people, and in a lot of people, uh, like when with an increase in cortisol, they crave more like hyper palatable foods. Yeah, totally. It's and interesting, I- like how you guys don't have that, but like that it's just, I mean, it's very dependent obviously, but a lot of people deal with the increase in hunger and the cravings. So, and I wonder too, is because normally we're pretty active and we move a lot and we train and all that. Right. But when we're sleep deprived, we don't move. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's almost like our neat is like completely mm-hmm. diminished to the point of where like we move maybe half as much as what we normally would. So I wonder if that is also what affects our hunger. It could be for sure. It's just the fact that we're not like on my rest days, I'm not hungry because I'm not like I burn half the amount of calories that I do on a, like a training day, like busy day. Well, and training is also for the most part, individually dependent too. Some people will have increased hunger from training. Yeah. Depending on the type of training they're doing. And also some people will have, decrease hunger depending on what they're doing if they're really blowing themselves up i find especially within crossfit the athletes will have if let's say the train this can get so complex if the training is inappropriately intense and voluminous then their hunger decreases because it's a stress response it also might be like their body's responding appropriately and i can think of a couple athletes on my roster where it's like their training goes up and their hunger goes up like their needs go up right Mm -hmm. so it does depend on training i know for me aerobic training will really increase my hunger because I think it stresses me less if I have really hard stuff and I'll just leave that as just being hard stuff. Um, my train, my appetite will decrease. Got it. Does that make sense? What I just said? Yep. Okay. Cause well, I'm and kind for of me, rambling. Like if I do, aerobic, aerobic is less taxing. Yes. Okay. Well, but if I do like heavy leg day, I'm like starving. Yeah. I can eat everything. And I'm not. Oh, I'm not. I am. It, it really cranks my CNS to do that. So that's why if I'm well recovered prior to going in, it's way better. Right. But it's um, so funny, like being a coach and just like seeing how these things impact everyone. So individually, like stress can make one person's appetite decrease significantly. And another person they're eating everything, you know, like it's just so interesting. And that's why there's really no cookie cutter way to, no coach, it's, right it's like you no. really need to know and get to know your client understand them um hey here's a question that um thc cannabis for sleep thoughts just just do this yes or no uh I, I, yes i don't know no i tried it i tried it um 
it didn't do much for me. So what did you, so what did you take? So I take a mixture of, uh, a little bit of melatonin and CBD. Yep. Um, and that shuts my brain off. But no THC. No, I tried, but I didn't really notice anything. I just got like, really, did, like, like whacked out. But, uh, did, but did you, edible? did you, did you use like an edible? Oil? A tincture. A tincture. Oil. Okay. 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 See, and I like, I don't like what, like oil tinctures or of edibles. THC or yeah, edibles. Like, yeah. uh, never. Like the, I wouldn't sleep if I took We've had some different. bad experiences yeah. with edibles. Speaking but, of which, I'm going to do, I don't know if he's going to listen, but I know the guy who's a regional manager for Canopy Growth, Tyrone. Tyrone, if you're listening, hook a brother up with some good mm-hmm. sleep edibles because I'm looking to try it. But, um, but if we but if we vape indica, so I guess it's a yes for you. Yeah, yes. But for if me. we vape yeah. indica, yeah. then I like sleep like a freaking rock. Yeah, that's the one thing that we found that's total almost, rock, almost foolproof. It works yep. really well for me. Is in now. Granted, once again, I don't want people running out and trying this because it's like, it's legal. Yes, it's legal. It's legal in Canada, but it's like, you got to make sure that it's going to work for you. And this is just what we found worked for us. So it's the Indica strain. But it's a very specific. A very specific one. It's Romulan. What's the one we like is Romulan. It works for us. Um, And if we vape it, it's like, hits you in about 10 minutes out of your system in about three hours, give or take, and no nasty grogginess the next day. And yep. it seems to work really well. So one of my clients, um, he was doing, he was doing THC vape, mm-hmm. um, before, before sleep for a while. And the other night he, um, decided to not mm-hmm. do it and just see, and he was like, I actually slept. I feel like I slept better. Yeah, so, you know, I struggle with it. And Jamie always rolls her eyes because she's like, God damn it, you know it works. Why don't you just do it? <laughs> but I'm like, I don't want to have it as a crutch. So I'll occasionally be like, hey, I don't want to vape tonight. Um, and of course, when I'm at work at the fire department, if we don't have a busy night, which is almost never, but let's say we don't, I will fall asleep. And without, obviously, I can't vape at work, right? And I mean, I'm using like magnesium and zinc and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and GABA. Um, I can use all those and I can wake up fine to the tone. So, but I will fall asleep, but it's like, I don't want it to become a crutch, but there's been some times when I'm like, my sleep is almost more restless. And this really depends on the strain, right? Sometimes they're, I don't know. Yeah. So I think, I don't think it's like hundred percent foolproof. We can't say that like, oh yeah, go out, get it into strain. You're going to sleep like a baby. It might not work. Right. Without a doubt. It's very similar. I know Dr. Matthew Walker in his book, um, have it sitting on the shelf there, why we sleep. Yeah. He is sort of anti-cannabis saying that it affects certain, certain cycles of your sleep, mm-hmm. but then other, I guess, um, authorities on the subject have said, no, it's more like very individually dependent. Some people will find that it helps them sleep, which it does for us. Right. Everything is so individual. Everything. It's always like, it depends. That's the answer yeah, for everything in coaching. It depends. Right. Um, well, I mean, the sleep deprivation, too. You could talk about the emotional effects of it, too. Oh, I don't get emotional at all when I'm sleep deprived. I'm like a rock, right? Yeah, I don't have any negative it's, thoughts or anything. Oh, yeah, it, it'll bring up uh, anxiety and That's, worse and yeah. things like that. I definitely notice that. I see that a lot with clients. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they're not sleeping well. 
Yeah. And then poor, poor food choices is another one, like just decision-making. Yes. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's, um, that's the first thing that I'll notice is not so much the physical, but it's like the, the mental resiliency, the emotional resiliency where stuff just is more irritating. You're more negative. You're less positive. Um, I don't sure you do do. think that's due to the increase in cortisol. Um, you know, I don't know from a totally nerdy standpoint, I'm sure it has something to do with like serotonin, dopamine, maybe norepinephrine. Um, it's, it's, it's a deep conversation to get into. I'm actually messing around with certain compounds right now to increase dopamine. And I know that's, um, if anybody is listening and understands that, you know, ping me on this because I know you can get into a situation of dopamine withdrawal syndrome and you don't want to go down that route. Um, but I'm messing with that. And I'm noticing maybe a little more positive mood, even when I'm sleep deprived, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean it's a fix, right? Anytime you're supplementing, you, especially if you're messing with your neurotransmitters, you need to be really, really careful. And I'm using like specific nootropics and stuff like that. And maybe I'll talk about it on a different podcast. Um, but it's like, without a doubt, I think it's a neurotransmitter depletion driven process when yeah. your emotions go sideways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. With, without a doubt you get a full night's sleep and at least for me it's like wow i'm like thinking positive thoughts yeah stuff doesn't bug Same. me i'm just like man i can take on the day and nothing nothing seems to bother me but then night of two hours of sleep and it's like oh my fucking god kill me now it's kind of thing right yeah so, about everything so yeah have you listened to the huberman huberman lab Yes, I do follow him. Um, I've listened to some of his podcasts. Very smart dude. Very smart yeah. dude. Yeah. And he actually just had something on dopamine and norepinephrine the other day. No, sorry. It was dopamine and testosterone. The yeah. interaction between the two. Which he I he talks was- a lot about testosterone. Yes, for sure. For sure. Yeah. He's a smart cat for sure. I don't know where he popped up from, but um, I like his stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you wanted to cut it to 45, eh? Was, a, was there something else that we were going to, did you guys talk about? Where are we going to talk about H like amenorrhea? Well, I think we were. Yeah. Do you want to just touch on it for like 10 minutes in like mm-hmm. maybe just an opinion yeah. sort of point? So mm-hmm. this is, I know this is a really big topic of your interest. So why don't you talk about it, Christina? Um, well, I, I deal with a lot of women. Um, will have dealt still dealing with some that have it um a so lot people that don't know what amenorrhea is it means that your menstrual cycle disappears yeah yeah um a lot of the t- a lot of the women that i'm dealing with um they're either actually pretty much all of them it's either they've come off birth control and they don't have a cycle you know mm-hmm. for x amount of time or it's from, you know, a past of extreme dieting. Um, what about, and I know this is going to get really controversial really quick. What about the, the, uh, word. the COVID vaccine? <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't seen it like from the amenorrhea necessarily, like from that. This amenorrhea though. Yeah. Like just you talked like, about that, right? Yeah. Like I have a client who actually read it. Don't say her name. No. Don't say it because <laughs> so, you know, she's going to listen. I know she will. Um, she I'm actually, the last that. consult that we did, she, I'm sure she won't care. I said, but anyway, she, um, she had her COVID vaccine and it did screw up her cycle. Which one did she have? 
She had Pfizer. She had Pfizer. She had two doses. Yes. Yeah. And, screwed and up her cycle. it screwed up her cycle so that she missed for she. It was I think it was off by I think she said a month. Yeah. Well, and people that's- are seeing oh. very different things. So mm-hmm. there's you know people who it's late like super late. Okay. Then there's people who um you know they're now super heavy or really large clotting. Um, uh, Dr. Um, Nicole, yep. you know, she kind of took a survey on this and yeah. I asked her to share it all with me. And so she did. Um, and then when I had posted about them actually starting to do like trials and stuff on it, um, <laughs> I had a few people reach out to me and say that their, uh, wives, Mm-hmm. had been in two people one was one was her actually and then the other guy was like my my wife has been in menopause for seven years and now is getting a cycle after her no after getting, and another woman said the same thing and it's funny because she was again seven years uh post-menopausal and she now has after the vaccine and she's like i feel so alone like i felt like I was the only one dealing with this. I'm like, no, like, unfortunately, like we're, we're kind of seeing a lot of this popping up right now. Yeah. You know, who's actually, I got an email from just like a blanket email it was from Stacy Sims yeah. and who is actually yeah, put, she, um, she, well, she is looking for people. Yeah. They're going to start doing trial. trials oh, on, um, yeah. COVID affecting menstrual cycles. Um, and that was like probably two months ago that I got that. So they're going to start hmm. looking into any of the effects that are happening. Cause I think they were looking for women that were not on birth control that still had a cycle that have had, yeah. have had the COVID vaccine. Um, I had a client and this is not related to amenorrhea, but, um, or dysmenorrhea, but I had a client who got the COVID vaccine and I can't remember off the top of my head what she got is either Pfizer or Moderna. And she had a autoimmune form of like a, like an atopic dermatitis and she got the vaccine and it disappeared. She was struggling for like the whole time she was consulting with me with her dermatologist on trying to treat it, trying to figure out what it was and then trying to treat it. And she got the vaccine and it's gone. And the derm said he's seen that in a number of patients. Interesting. But, yeah, it's really weird. It's almost like it's so someone with an autoimmune disorder, their auto their immune system's hyperactive. It's inappropriately activating, and it's like getting the mRNA vaccine seemed to shut it down. Um, when it comes to dysmenorrhea, it's almost like there's a stress response, right? Because the the female clients are their cycles acting like they're low calorie or they're overtraining or they're under a lot of stress where it's like becoming longer or they're missing their cycle or they're having an early cycle. Like it's sort of classic, um, you know, stress response. Right. So it's like, it's such like uncharted territory. Like I, this is like telling my clients, I'm like, I mean, we're going to try and support you in the best way we can, but this is like very uncharted territory. I don't, I don't really have the answers. No, you know, to why this is happening. And what no one does right now. And it's thankful you're doing a lot of trials and studies on this and we'll we'll know more in the future. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, 
I know that's just like a little sort of 10 minute blurb on that. And that's really all we have. All we have on that is opinion. Mm-hmm. Like without a doubt, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I'm definitely not an expert in that field. And we're just seeing what we're seeing within our client base. Right. right? Yeah. So um, it's interesting for sure. And like conversing with other people too, like, like Nicole, like doctors yes. and stuff, like they're seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say here? You want to wrap it up? Keep it short yeah, and sweet. So the, the amenorrhea, like Ooh, I yeah, mean, okay. just in that sense, like I just see it a lot from, well, I mean, the chronic dieting, yes. the yes. females chronic dieting, um, but like the low carb and then post uh, birth control. Um, and it always comes down to intaking more energy and, you know, getting that, you know, fairly quickly, um, usually tends to, you know, restore that, that, that cycle. I mean, but it it depends. Um, like I have clients who, you know, get off birth control and they get it within three months. And then I have other ones, depending on the birth control, you know, how suppressing Mm -hmm. it was, they can get it seven months a year, but how much you're eating and like your stress, you know, your training and all that plays into it hugely. Um, and I think that's a huge problem with women say coming off birth control mm-hmm. and then they're not eating enough and then they're dieting. It's just going to prolong that. that Big period. Time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I have lots of thoughts on that, but I'll let Jamie talk. Well, I, yeah, I just mean like, yeah, I, I mean, I can think of one particular client also who it took her about a year to get her cycle back after being on birth control since she was I think well she was 40 and she'd been on it since, since she was 16. That's a long time. Oh, but, a lot but, of negative but, feedback. But yeah. also we but she been, got it back. She did and then cool. yeah and then um but she we also had to change her training. Yeah. And we had one. to reverse diet her like big time. Mm-hmm. And she had to get to a place where she did actually feel really uncomfortable with her body composition, but that's, that's what she had thing. to do in order to yeah. get there. Yeah. And she was like, you know, I'm willing to do this. Like it's a trade-off, right? She's like, I need to, I want to have my health back. And she's like, I know it's not going to be forever that this is how my body composition will be. Mm-hmm. Right. I and, wish every client had that mentality. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And and then I, you know, and then I think of like I have another client who she had come from CrossFit and she came into bodybuilding and um and then she wanted to to like do a cut and we we took her down pretty low. I'm trying to think of who this is. And not only did she lose her cycle from going down because she was in such a deficit, um but she like completely went off the rails with like eating too. So a whole bunch of stuff completely blew up with her. And then as soon as we reversed her and got her eating again and took some of her activity away um, and, and I had really, really had to push her to have more variety in her food. So to add fruit back in, cause she had cut fruit out and she was just eating like oats and rice and like starchy carbs and didn't really have much for like nutrient dense carbohydrates. And as soon as we added nutrient dense carbohydrates back in and increased her food and took away some of her cardio, she got her cycle back and it's regular again. I also, she, we also did put her on Vitex too. So almost every, almost every person that I've worked with getting their cycle back, they need to gain weight. 
Yes, yeah. totally. Almost everyone. Sometimes yeah. people lose weight with a reversing. There's that whole yeah, thing. Exactly. But, it, but like you, the women need to understand it is so, so important. Yes. Um, you know, totally. it is, it should not be looked at as a negative thing at all. Here's a question for both of you. So if you have a client, female client has a regular cycle, you're taking this client to a place of caloric deprivation or caloric deficit, better term. Um, they know they're going into a deficit. You know, they're giving them stressors. They understand the goal. And let's say they have a regular cycle, but then they either get a dysfunctional cycle or they all of a sudden have no cycle. Do you think, what do you do? I'll just leave it open-ended. What do you do? Do you change I would, I would personally not go there. I would well, it so it, this for me, it depends because I have prep clients that it's very, very common for women that do contest prep to lose. Yeah, it's so well. different. Um, and so in that in that place, it's like it's kind of acceptable. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's acceptable, but what I'm saying is that it's like something that happens very regularly. And it's for and then the majority of women get it back once you reverse diet them yeah. after their show. So but if it's like a lifestyle, like gen pop person, then I'm like, okay, we got to pull back. Like yeah, yeah. cannot continue like this because you like, obviously we're going to a place that is not, well, one, you're not going to progress if probably if we get to that point too, right? right? Like it's going to be far more detrimental down the road if we continue like this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, for me, it's like an indicator, like a red flag that, okay, they've been in a deficit for too long. It's her body saying like, you know, okay, we need to like reverse for a bit. Cause it's that whole like dieting thing. You don't want to diet year round. No, you know, you it, can't. if you have aesthetic goals, I mean, some people are going to be far more resilient than others. Some aren't. And it's like, some people can only handle dieting for eight weeks. And then you have to go back to like maintenance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, there's I, nothing I wrong that. with doing that. Yeah, I tell my clients like right off the bat, this may not may not take one cycle of dieting. Like we may need to take two. And I have a client where like I took her through a dieting phase, we reversed back up, she maintained, she left, she went on her own, and now she's coming back and she, we're doing another cycle. Like that to me, that's what I would do way over going too long, seeing a, a seeing a period you know, go wonky. I mean, I would just not do that as a coach. Yeah. And I think I agree on both points. It really depends on the client's goal, how long you're going to do it. If you know, it's a temporary thing. Like the one thing that sticks out in my mind is it's common, but it's not normal. And what I'm talking about is amenorrhea or dysmenorrhea. It's very common, but it's not normal. And some, some people will be like, Oh my God, there's dysfunction. We have to change everything. And that's not necessarily true. If we know it's going to be a temporary stressor. And the client's like, yeah, okay, I get it. My cycle's going to disappear. I'm not worried about having kids right now, but I have a goal and I want to reach it. Um, if it's going to be temporary, that's fine. But then if it's a lifestyle client, then it's like, no, this what we're doing is not conducive to lifestyle. No. Um, no. But it's really common, but that doesn't, anytime there's cycle dysfunction, it's not normal. Despite what you might hear other people say, it's, no. uh, and then, like, it's, it's common. Yeah, though. and I mean, with contest prep, like most women towards the end of their prep, they will lose their cycle and it comes down to like, you know, caloric 
or that comes yeah, with, with like energy expenditure and the and the fact that you know like they're super lean already right um when you get down to that point where you're where your like body fat like way below what it it normally would be and your your calories are low it's just i mean it's just something that, mm-hmm. that usually happens but then um if you reverse diet properly and then you should have it come back it can take like what you said earlier though it can take a long time i've had clients who we were doing everything right for a very long period of time and it was getting to a very frustrating point but it sometimes does take like six months eight months a year to come back and then all of a sudden boom it'll come back it's like you're doing everything right you know your structures are controlled you're in a caloric surplus you're not overtraining all that good stuff and it's like if you've been on birth control for like 15 years, then yeah, expect that it's going to take a while to come back. It's not and just going back into a deficit right when you get it. Isn't the answer That's a bad idea. It's probably a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. sure. For yeah. sure. Well, what do you guys think? You want to wrap it up? Okay. This was fun. We should do it again. <laughs>